This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Lori James spent most of her life wondering what it means to belong. Loneliness dictated the choices she made. She rarely shared this secret with others, however. It was always hidden behind a carefree and can-do attitude. When she's in her mid-40s, Lori's mother has a heart attack, and her husband's lawyer delivers some shocking news. She suddenly finds herself sandwiched between caring for her parents, managing unruly caregivers, raising four teenage daughters, and trying to understand the choices of the husband she thought she knew. Lori's story is about one woman's struggle to do it all while facing the reality that the ideal life and perfect family she believed could save her was slowly crumbling beneath her. Lori tries everything to keep her family together, seeks therapy, practices yoga, rediscovers nature, develops strong female friends, and begins writing. But as she explores the layers of her life and heals her past, she realizes that she's the only one who can create the life she wants and deserves. Her work is about what it means to let go of the life you planned in order to find the life you belong to. Valeria Tellis interviews Lori James, the author of Sandwiched, a memoir of holding on and letting go. Lori James is an author and transformative coach. She has successfully launched four daughters, has been the primary caregiver for her elderly parents, and is the founder of a unique program in Manhattan Beach, California, that helps women through pivotal transitions in life. An active community volunteer, she co-chairs a youth program for high school students, exposing them to a variety of career paths before they apply to college. Lori graduated from Cal Poly Pomona with a BS in business and was a corporate recruiter before she stayed home to raise her four daughters. She lives in Manhattan Beach and enjoys yoga, hiking, skiing, sailing, and adventure travel. This is her first book. She lives in Manhattan Beach, California. Meet Lori at laurieejames.com. Here's the interview with Lori James. In your own words, who is Lori James? I am a spiritual soul living in a human body. And I am also a mother, caregiver, divorcee, turned author and transformative life coach. I love the spiritual being, having a human experience. That's essentially what I feel this is. How did you discover that, Lori? When did that understanding come to you? 
You know, I think early on in my life, I always wondered like why we were here as human beings and I never had the answer for that. Fast forward until I was in my 40s when I was married, raising four daughters. My mother suddenly fell ill and shortly after that, I found out that I realized that my marriage was beginning to crumble and that was really what set me on my spiritual quest to better understand why these things were happening and what I could learn from them. And really was through that experience, and it was really an eight-year period of time that I write about in my book that I know that we'll talk about later. But that's when I did most of my inquiry and search and But through that process, I also realized that it is a journey. It's not a destination. And we continue that until we leave this physical earth. It really resonates true to me, this idea of being infinite, right? This is just the infinite appearing as separated from itself, whatever Mm -hmm. is happening now. What is your idea of spirituality, Laurie? What is that to you? For me, spirituality is connecting mind, body, and soul as is really what it is to me. I was raised with religion, but I never resonated with it. Right, right. And I didn't, I kind of let go of all of it. And again, through this period of my life in my late 40s, early 50s was really when I started, I, I had been doing yoga for several years, but I upped the amount of yoga. I really got into reading a lot of spiritual books. I took an energy class for three years with a shaman and just really tried to explore more who I was and what my part in this experience, right? Like what was my role in all this and how can I learn from those experiences? And what comes to me when you said earlier about challenges in the midst of that, being able to open up and then seeing more or being open to that larger reality that there is. So I wonder and ask the question often about suffering being the catalyst. (laughs) Does it always take suffering and difficulties for us to understand that and see that? I think there are a select few out there that it doesn't, but I think for the majority of us that are living currently in in the world that we live in now, it does take suffering. And even sometimes that's not even enough to wake people up to start their spiritual quest. I mean, I see it around me uh, constantly, but for me, I was like, no, no, this, <laughs> there has to be something more there. Like, there has to be something more. And and I am a joyful person. And so I was like, okay, I, I realize that we have to have both good and bad experiences in life. But wh- I, I came to the conclusion that there was a continuous emotional two by four that kept hitting me in the head with a similar message. And I believe we as spiritual beings will continue. They start out as nudges and then they increase and they continue to get bigger until we learn from those experiences. Do you have an idea? What made you to be open to it and so many other people 
are not and never will be. Yeah, uh, well, hmm. I mean, ultimately underlying all of it is fear, you know, and people don't always recognize this, is it as fear? But there's an interesting quote I put it at the front of my book, and it says, courage does not always roar. Sometimes it courage is a quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. And that really epitomizes me and my life in terms of just, you know what, I'm one person and I'm going to get up and I'm going to do better tomorrow and I'm going to push myself out of my comfort zone because the fear keeps us in that comfortable place until it becomes uncomfortable. So in a way, most of us are just mired in fear and we are unable to break away from it, right? So true. Another warm-up question for you, Laura, is freedom. What is freedom to you today? Freedom to me is is really to authentically be myself. And I know that word gets thrown a lot, uh, around a lot, but yeah. to really, it's about being true to myself. Mm. And although I have these social obligations in life, it's also honoring my internal needs and desires and things that I want to experience in life and and balancing those both so that way I'm feeding my soul and what I need so that way then I can then be there for those either clients, family, friends who might need me in any given moment. Yeah, the word that we use is authenticity, but it's basically saying the same thing, being true to yourself. And that, what comes to me is unconditional love. How do you feel about that, that this is actually a practice or the understanding of unconditional love? I think that we need to get better at it. And I think we, I think that's one of the ultimate goals is to love ourselves unconditionally. Yes. And if we can do that, then it is easier to love other people. Right. I don't know. I, I don't want to say that you can, you can love everybody unconditionally yeah. and maybe you can, but at different distances. Like, you know, you can have love for somebody who maybe you feel has wronged you or betrayed you, but you can, you can love them, but as a, at a distance. Right. And, and so, and knowing that boundary and, and that distance that's comfortable for you. So you're still honoring yourself and loving yourself mm-hmm. first. So let me see. Yeah. The question that I mentioned off record, I wanted to ask you now, how do you define strength? Yeah. How do I define strength is, um, I guess for me personally, not I guess, for me personally, my strength comes from within and it's again about overriding, acknowledging what's holding me back and realizing that I can overcome that fear, that and at the end of the day, when we have experiences in life, there's we can let those experiences destroy us, yeah. define us, or make us stronger. True. And I have 
I think at times there have been certain things, I don't want to say destroyed me, but have definitely defined me. Mm. And now I'm at a place in my life where I am letting them, I am having those experiences make me stronger. I know you hesitated to use the word destruction or to be destroyed, but that in a way resonates with me true as well, because in order to recreate something new, something else needs to be destroyed. That's, you know, that's a very good point. And yes, and I have had to let go or destroy something that I thought was going to save me. I thought if I created this experience, this family, and that was going to save me and it, I had to let go of that and, and destroy or dissolve that Mm. relationship Mm. So I could turn into the person I am today. Right. I love the, that word even better, that choice, dissolve. Mm-hmm. That sounds even better to me. I mean, destruction sounds, um, the connotation is negative. It mm-hmm. it's almost automatically comes to the mind as negative. So dissolving, that's beautifully said. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. I will change the word myself. <laughs> dissolve. I love that, Laurie. So another question for you, the warm-up questions is um, the purpose of life, the human experience. What do you think or feel that is? Do you believe that we have chosen to be here in a human body and go through all the challenges that we go through? I do. And I, I, I believe that our experiences shape us into who we are, both good experiences and bad experiences. And, you know, again, we can we get to choose what we do with those experiences. I, I believe we're here to learn from them. I believe that we all have some amount of trauma, either from previous lives or our current lives, that we are meant to heal. So that way then we can learn to love ourselves and then in turn be able to love those around us. What is your interpretation of healing? Is there a destination for healing somehow? Can we say at some point that we are healed? In my opinion, I yeah. think that there's always scar tissue that we carry with us. Mm, yeah. I, I believe that we can recognize our wounds and look at them and realize, oh, I got triggered because of this experience in my life or that experience. Yeah. And I believe that through my experience and, and my own therapy and my own self-healing I can now recognize those and learn to self-soothe a lot of ways. But I don't know that unless you, in my opinion, and I may be wrong, unless you are in a state of enlightenment, I don't know that you ever (laughs) are completely healed. Holding on to that idea, actually, that one day we'll be healed and perfectly fine with everything, ourselves and everything, already sounds to me like a source for becoming unhealed again. Mm -hmm. Uh, This pressure that we need to be in a certain way and do certain things or do everything right. It it doesn't make sense to me. So thank you for for the message. Mm -hmm. What do you love most about being a woman? And also, what have been the greatest challenges being in the female body? I think I'll start with the 
second question first. Uh, I think some of the biggest challenges is that women, less so in the U.S., but all over the world, are still suppressed and considered less than and that men are superior. They're not equals. And so I think that that is a big challenge. I found aspects of that in my marriage as well. And I have to take responsibility because I did want a traditional marriage. So I allowed some of it, but I think that you can have traditional roles while still having mutual respect for what each other brings to the table. So I think that answers your first question. I think we're working towards improving that, especially with all the changes that have happened over the last year. I think we have a long way to go. And it's not just for women. I think it's of, you know, other cultures as well and transgender and uh, gay and lesbian. I mean, all of it. We need to rise above and look at people as humans and and this is their choice and that's okay. Um, And see each other as equals, not that somebody is better than another person. Yes. Oh, I love that, Laurie. Thank you. And and what was your second question? I'm sorry. The other question was about what do you love most about being in a female body? I think one of my biggest joys about being a female in a female body is the fact that I was able to give birth to four beautiful daughters who inspire me every single day with what they're doing in the world. Yeah, and, and to have that female to female relationship with them and and that love you have for your children as a mother is just irreplaceable. And I know that men are capable of having, you know, deep love for their children too, but I think a mother's love is just different. It's not better or worse, it's just right. different. That must be an amazing experience. I never had children, so and it seems like I'll never be a mother. You're a mother to all your listeners. <laughs> that's true, Laurie. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. That's true. <laughs> so let me leave it at that. Thank you for the yes. encouragement. <laughs> and um, so you wrote the book, Sandwiched, a memoir of holding on and letting go. Talk to me about the inspiration and the purpose of writing your book. So the inspiration came from, it actually started as the Caregiver Chronicles. My my mother fell ill while I, my kids were teenagers and my marriage was falling apart. And I would come home and tell my husband at the time and my girlfriends about these crazy caregiver stories that were happening. And they would tell me, Lori, you have to write this stuff down because I couldn't make up some of this stuff. I mean, I had caregivers that were drinking on the job. Another Mm -hmm. one emotionally seduced my dad Mm -hmm. and my dad was then giving her money. Um, Another one told me that my mother wanted to die and stop giving my mom her medication. You know, every time I found this out, I obviously got rid of them, but... That's how my inspiration started. And it took several years after that for me to actually start writing. I was actually at a yoga retreat with a fellow writer and she just said, Lori, just just start writing. Yeah. And that was the first time I put pen to paper and, and I wrote my first scene. And then from there, about two years into writing my story, 
I realized, no, this is more than the Caregiver Chronicles. This is about being sandwiched and the sandwich generation of taking care of our our kids and also needing to take care of our parents, um, which 47% of all people between the ages of 40 and 60 fall into that category. So it's a very large issue as our generation has kids later and our parents are living longer. What would be, let's say, this ideal caregiver? Can you describe what that would look like to be the ideal or the dream? Not a dream, I don't want to say that when we use that word, but the model, let's say, the reference caregiver. I think there has to be trust, compassion, honesty, and I I had to go through several, if, well, more than several, I would say probably 20 or 30 to find caregivers that were trustworthy, were honest, were reliable. And now I have two wonderful caregivers who I love and adore. We have a great working relationship. One's been with me for over six years. My my mom has passed. My mom is, uh, my dad is still alive. But yeah, I think that those are the things that we look for, whether it's a caregiver for your children or a caregiver for your elderly parents. I mean, we have to trust them with those we love if we're not able to be there to care for them around the clock. And another question for you on that topic, Laurie, is when you're in the situation of taking care of kids and your parents and still having a divorce also to give attention to, where were you in that caregiving role of taking care of yourself? Well, that was part of my journey is realizing that I needed to take care of myself because if I wasn't filling my cup up enough, yeah, right, right. then how could I then help others? And yes. I did put myself second and I put myself third behind my children, my marriage, my parents, I was always one who exercised. I've always eaten well. Um, I've always, like sleep has always been important to me. But there's an emotional component that I was neglecting uh, within myself. And that was part of, you know, during this eight-year period of time when I was experiencing, you know, the raising of my teenagers, the caregivers that I was struggling with and my marriage, that was part of my journey is to really understand and take that opportunity to look inward because through that process, I was feeling extremely lonely. Loneliness was something that I had always dealt with for all my entire life, but it was pronounced during that time because my mom, who I relied on for obvious reasons, was no longer there. And then I realized that my husband didn't have the same commitment to marriage that I had. And so that left me profoundly lonely. I did have a choice. I could have just wallowed in it, but I took that as an opportunity to slowly chip away at understanding where that loneliness came from, why it still existed, and how to start healing that loneliness. Would you say the self-care and self-love are different? Are they completely different in a way? Yeah, I, I do. The I think self-care 
I mean, I, I think that there's crossover always, but the, but they all are different. I mean, a lot of people, when you read books and articles and things, they talk about self-care and sometimes it's, you know, as simple as, you know, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, eating right. But uh, self-love is what do I need, you know, today? How can I fill up my cup today? You know, what do I need to feel joy and happiness and fill myself up so that way then I can then be there for others. And when you are just juggling so many things and you have so many balls in the air, sometimes and oftentimes I my needs were put last. And I also didn't have somebody there asking me, what do you need? How can I help you? You look like you're really challenged. I had some girlfriends that were able to do that, but I was not in a marriage that was reciprocal like that. Most men in general, they cannot connect with women at that level, the deeper emotional level. Our responsibility might be uh, helping them to do that at this point. If they're willing, open mm. and willing to... Yeah take that guidance. True, Laurie. Yeah. Yes. Thank <laughs> you for that extension. <laughs> oh, so true. If they're not open, then nothing will happen. Right. We're exactly. just wasting time and, and getting more frustrated. I love your message. Of course, the message that I wanted to ask you more questions about, but there is a line where you say about when you realized that you're the only one responsible to create that life that you wanted to live, the life that you deserved. I love that message because it's so true. And I wonder how we can balance that with this desire to co-create, to collaborate with others, like a partner, like a husband. How do we balance those two? Well, I think first it's about communication with who, with your partner. But it's also, even before that, is finding a partner who who values sees the value in what you're doing for others and for humanity and can both support you and know that you will be there to support that person as well, your partner, you know, and that's something that I continue to search for, for myself in, in my next partner, in a new partner. But that was something that I didn't have. I thought I had it, but through the series of events that I write about and through that eight years, I realized, okay, he's, I'm there for him, but he doesn't have the capacity to be there for me. And and I, I, that's key. And it's key in any relationship. It doesn't matter whether it's a business relationship, a friendship or an intimate relationship. There has to be that give and take and that has to be that mutual respect, that mutual trust, that mutual honesty, mutual communication that has to be there. And of course, we're humans and we're not perfect, but it's also in that moment going, oh my God, I'm so sorry that I didn't realize that that was so hurtful. I will be more aware of that next time instead of just being defensive and trying to brush it off. That's coming from that place that you said beautifully in a very kind way, uh, not being able to express yeah, those abilities yet in a case of your husband, right? And so many other people out there. Yeah, I love the idea of blaming and um, that never resonated with me too. Yeah. 
Although we well, see. Well, because that makes, yeah. that makes, you know, because that makes somebody right and then mm-hmm. wrong. It covers also the message, the important message that we need to take responsibility. If we need to separate or leave that relationship, and if we see that happening often enough as a pattern, so that's our responsibility to make that choice and leave that relationship um, without blaming. Speaking of that, talk to me about um, how you became a transformative coach and what it's like to work with you. Thank you for asking I believe my experiences that I write about in my book has led me to being a coach. And I have uh, been trained under Martha Beck in her Wayfinder Life Coach Training Program, which if any of your listeners know Martha Beck, she's a New York Times bestseller and she's written some incredible books, Steering by Starlight and Finding Your North Star. She has a, a more recent book about integrity out there. Uh, But it's really about examining our thoughts and uh, getting more in touch with our bodies because our bodies transmit so much more information than our brains do. And so oftentimes our body has a reaction, even though we can't always put words to it, first before our mind does or our brain does. And so it's really just getting more in touch with with our bodies and and using our bodies to help guide us to happiness and to what, you know, our purposes and what we want to do in life. Uh, and so I like to work with women who are in their 40s and 50s who are either empty nesters, uh, maybe they are divorced or uh, lost a spouse and they are looking to transition into something new and they just don't know quite how to find their purpose and i've real and, and purpose and happiness because we all deserve to be happy and we do need support yeah when we are going through yeah. these challenges and it's okay i mean i that's one of the things i think our society and so many women don't realize is it doesn't make you weak to ask for help and support. It actually makes you stronger. And that was a lesson, that was one of the lessons I had to learn that it, there are a lot of great people out there that want to help you. And, you know, we, we all need to help lift each other up. Yes, a billion times to that. Yes, I love that message too. Very important because we are not alone, right? Although we do feel like we are and we need to do everything on our own. It seems to me like it's coming from that place of trying to show strength because we have not had, you know, that power for so long. We didn't feel empowered for so long that now, yeah, we're embracing that in a, in a not so healthy way. I mean, it's great, but then we have both sides, right? The good and then the the not-so-good side. Um, And also, talk to me for a moment about the program that you have created in Manhattan Beach, California. So right now, I'm mostly working with women one-on-one. So I work individually. I'm in the process of developing a program um, and offering some retreats, but I've been primarily focused on launching my book right now and working with my individual clients. And come the fall, I'll be offering some retreats and some 
webinar online programs that will be available to help women walk themselves, well, not really walk themselves, but to support women going through these transitional periods in their life. And we're almost at the end, and I have so many other questions here. <laughs> but let me ask you, yeah, the main message in your book or the message that's so powerful from my perspective to let go of the life you had planned in order to find the life you belong. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about that. I'm guilty of this. I mean, in our 20s, even in our teens, our 20s, you know, we have this ideal that, you know, I need to get married. Not everybody, but a lot of us, I did. I had to get married by a certain time. I wanted to have children by a certain time. Um, I, I needed to do these societal things. And if I did those things, then I would be happy. Right. And I would feel safe and I would feel secure. And it was the farthest thing from the truth because while doing that, I wasn't being true to myself and honoring what I needed personally. So once I came to that conclusion, I mean, sometimes we have to let go of that job even though we think it's our dream job when it no longer is serving us. Sometimes we have to let go of the marriage. Sometimes we have to let go of a friendship, whatever it is. So that way, or, you know, if you unexpectedly have somebody that you love pass away and you don't understand over time, sometimes those, we have to go through those difficult transitions. And if you allow yourself and you're open to the possibilities of letting go of something so that way you make room for something else better to come in. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, I am happier than I've ever been in my life. I feel less alone than I've ever felt. I have more joy in my life. I have a wonderful group of friends. I'm doing something that I absolutely love. I've always loved working with people and and I love watching them grow and change and find more happiness. So I feel like I am just taking what I did for myself and helping other people do the same thing. Yeah, from that place of experience of wisdom. Yeah, right. But right. but you know, as as a society, it's like a, you know we feel like we need to control everything, mm. and that w- that right. control will give us that security and mm. safety. Right. But it's the farthest thing from the truth from a spiritual standpoint, right? It saddens me to see so many people around me, my family members, holding on to what they have, and they're not really happy, satisfied with, but. The fear keeps them mm-hmm. there and they are not able to embrace or to open up to the unknown, which is filled with possibilities, right? Yeah. Yeah. So fear is the greatest obstacle, right, Laurie? Yes. <laughs> that's funny because that's the only, when we transcend fear, I mean, it's the only way really to get to that other side, which is uh, is transformed. That's where transformation is. We can't really get there. Right. But I think the problem is a lot of people don't see certain situations as fear. Mm, right. You know, right. and until they recognize that it's the fear that's really holding them back from either, you know, addressing their past or changing that job or leaving a relationship or mm. letting go of a friendship or whatever it is, mm. 
you know, we have other words for it until you really recognize it for what it is and understand that this is my fear, my internal fear Mm. that's causing me to stay stuck in this place. Mm. We have to realize that that's because once you realize that, you realize I have the choice. We all have the choice to change. Right. But it's also the fear and uncertain, you know, of the of the unknown. Yeah. Of you yeah. know, and 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 that's really scary. You have to step into that of like I don't know what the universe or God or whatever you believe in has for me, but I have to trust that it's better than what I have right now. Right. And I'm going to put that trust out into the world. And that's a very good point about not being able to recognize that um, we are living in fear, making choices from that place. It's all around us. It's all around us. Do you have, um, let's say, a vision for a new reality in the sense that we all or most of us will come to that realization one day and transcend fear and live from a space of love? I mean, I would love to see that. I, you know, and and I believe as a society and humanity is heading in that direction. But just like anything, everything takes time. And if we look back at history, there's always been good and evil. Right. And so I don't know that we're ever going to. I don't know that we'll all be able to get there. But the more people that can transcend and get to that place, I think the better we are as a society. When you spoke of loneliness, that's coming from fear. That's a space of fear, right, Laurie? Uh, making choices from loneliness. Y- from a space yeah. Of- yeah. Uh, I, my loneliness stemmed from some childhood experiences uh, some childhood trauma and experiences. Yeah. I was adopted. So uh, I think that that I didn't look like my family. I didn't feel like I belonged in my family. There was also some trauma that I experienced as a child, which left me feeling lonely as well. Then even though I thought I was changing my trajectory, I married somebody who you know, I, I ended up being in a very lonely marriage yeah. with somebody who was not able to be there emotionally for me. That left me very lonely. Yeah. I think that that's what kept me in that lonely state for as long as it, I was in it. Right, right. But I don't know that fear caused my loneliness. So it might be familiarity. Yeah, that that known space. Yeah, that that's what psychologists and so many people talk about, that we get very comfortable with what is familiar. Right. And we also repeat our patterns, even though we think we're not. Right. We right. repeat the patterns and the lessons we still need to learn. Amazes me that we can talk about even <laughs> all these things. Um, I, I love it. <laughs> I have one more question for you. Uh, the benefits of therapy. Talk to me for a moment about that. How do we, we find the right therapist and what are the benefits? from your perspective? I think finding the right therapist is really key. And I there's I think it's okay to change therapists when you feel you've outgrown a therapist. But the, the real key is to making sure that you have a connection, that you feel safe with that person. And um, because you need to feel safe to be able to open up. Yeah. 
and to be able to heal some of our past traumas. I've changed therapists through the years. And there's so many, my other point is there's so many different modalities of therapy that you can go with that can heal. Right now I'm doing a lot of, I'm doing a modality, bioenergetics, some EM, I've done some EMDR and, and that's the bioenergetics. The theory is that you know, the trauma that we have, we hold in our bodies. And so it's, it's learning how to release that trauma that we have held on to. But I think therapy is, I think everybody should go through therapy um, because we all have some amount of trauma at some different times in our lives. And I think we can all benefit from it because it allows us to get to know ourselves better. So I have a few more questions for you, Laurie. The ending questions, I want to mention that I love a a passage in your book that says, I think it's at the end, it says, I don't need to know what is ahead because the path of self-discovery will lead me to where I am meant to be. Mm -hmm. So true. Just trust that whatever's happening, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. And, And it has been. Yeah, and it has been, right? It has been. Yeah. It has been. um, And yeah, I, when you said that, I got chills all over my body. So, um, and it has been. I love that too. And I know it'll continue to be. What can I say? Just breathe deeper to those truths. Yeah. yeah, I got goosebumps too, because so true that it goes back to unconditional love. So before I ask you my final questions, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Uh, No, I think you've picked out some beautiful passages. Actually, maybe there is one at the end of my book, which kind of complements what you have said and what we've talked about. Uh, I love Joseph Campbell. And he said, we must be willing to let go of the life we planned as to have the life that is waiting for us. And so for any of your listeners that are out there that are contemplating a change of some sort, trust, trust that yourself, trust your own intuition and trust that God, universe, higher power, whatever higher power you believe in has your back and that you're going to be okay. It's so empowering and powerful, this message. And I wonder why so many of us don't embody that (laughs) because that Mm -hmm. changes everything. The trust Mm -hmm. changes Mm -hmm. everything. So two more questions for you, Laurie. What is another word for healing? What is another word for healing? Self-compassion. The self-love, self-nurturing, yes. And the last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I know that I'm one spiritual being talking to another. I know that the best is yet to come Mm -hmm. and that I am here to help others find their joy and happiness. Thank you so much, Laurie, for your presence, for your wisdom, for your work and everything else that could be felt today. The inspiration, the strength. Thank you. Thank you. And before we go, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services and future projects? You can find my book on Amazon, IndieBound, any of the online services. 
you can also order it through your local bookstore and it should be able to be delivered within days. My website is Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E-E James.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Lori.James and Facebook at Lori James Author. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Yes, thank you. Bye for now, Lori. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Lori James and her work, please visit LoriEJames.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.